Grab your Bibles, if you will, and open them to Exodus chapter 12. And let's resume our study of Exodus chapter 12. For, for those of you who have not been with us over the past months, what I've sought to do is take this one chapter and use it as the, uh, the basis of our, our communion thoughts uh, for several months. I, I think this is my seventh sermon out of um, Exodus chapter 12. It's a rather lengthy um, uh, chapter, 51 verses, I think, yes. Uh, and, but it's a, it's a 51-verse discussion and, and description of the night of the Passover, which is, um, which is a very uh, big night in Judaism still but it's certainly a very big night in the history of redemption. When, when I was reading um, Exodus chapter 12, or as I have read it in the past, the portion of it that, at least for me, was the apex of the entire chapter is this which I'm about to read to you this morning. Uh, beginning at, at verse 21 and going through verse uh, 28. Um, guys, the only inspired words that you're going to hear this morning are the words that I'm about to read to you. But they are the apex of this story. And they deserve... They deserve angels to preach on them, not me. And I hope you'll um, derive great benefit from this portion of the story, which is a description of the night of the Passover. Follow as I read, beginning at verse 21. Then Moses called all the elders of Israel and said to them, Go and select for yourselves according to your clans and kill the Passover lamb. Take a bunch of hyssop and dip it in the blood that is in the basin. And touch the lintel and the two doorposts with the blood that is in the basin. None of you shall go out of the door of his house until the morning. For the Lord will pass through to strike the Egyptians. And when he sees the blood on the lintel and on the two doorposts, the Lord will pass over. The door and will not allow the destroyer to enter your houses to strike you. You shall observe this rite as a statute for you and for your sons forever. And when you come to the land that the Lord will give you, as he has promised, you shall keep this service. And when your children say to you, What do you mean by this service? you shall say, It is the sacrifice of the Lord's Passover, for he passed over the houses of the people of Israel in Egypt, when he struck the Egyptians but spared our houses. And the people bowed their heads and worshipped. And the people of Israel went and did so, as the Lord had commanded Moses and Aaron, so they did. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God it endures forever. Guys, do you know what the Continental Divide is? Have you ever been there? <laughs> I guess it's, there's several places. Um, just to tell you a little story, years ago, when, when I was still young, um, 
my family used to ski every now and then out in Colorado. And I remember on one of those years, we, uh, we were driving up the mountain to get to the ski resort and uh, snow skiing. And um, there was this big sign, and, and it said, The Continental Divide. And uh, we pulled over and um, got out of the car and, and um, read about the Continental Divide. Um, do you know what the Continental Divide is? It's, a, it's an interesting thing. It's, it's kind of a, a natural boundary line, um, and, and I think it's a chain of mountains, but I'm not sure about the geology of all this. But it's this, um, it's this natural boundary line that starts up in Alaska, comes down through Canada, uh, down through uh, the United States, through, and, and I know it goes through Colorado, and I think all the way through Mexico. And I, and I don't know where I got this. I don't know whether somebody told me this or whether it was on a sign that I read when we were looking, when we were standing at the Continental Divide. But um, it's called, or the Great Divide, maybe you've heard it called that. But um, I read, I think, it was on a sign there that says, rain that falls on the west side of the Continental Divide ends in the Pacific Ocean. And rain that falls on the east side of the Continental Divide ends up in the Atlantic Ocean. Uh, and I guess through the Gulf of Mexico. I don't know how it all works. But. Uh, so there I was, standing in a place where if rain had hit me over here, it would have gone to the Pacific. And if rain had hit me over here, it would have gone to the Atlantic. I just thought that was amazing. That's the Continental Divide. There's a word that I think that grew out of the Continental Divide. I'm really not sure of this in terms of the connection. But um, the word is watershed. Now, the word watershed is used in geological sense. But it's also used just in common conversation. And and a a watershed is is just a line of division between two groups or two things. Uh, it's a it's a divide. It's a thing that separates, like the continental divide separates. You know these two halves of the continent. I, I found this sentence as I was uh, googling watershed. The treaty to ban war in space may prove to be one of history's watershed moments. It's just a critical point at which history arrived. And, and everything else, it just kind of divided history into two halves, let's say. Okay, Jimmy. What's all the fuss? Why all the fuss about a word? Because, ladies and gentlemen, in my mind, there is a watershed. In this scene, there is a continental divide in this scene that I just read you. And you know what it is? Blood. On one side of it, blood that is, you lived. On the other side of it, You died. It was just that simple on the night of the Passover. 
If you were on one side of the blood, you lived. But if you were on the other side of the blood, you died. You see, if you believed that Moses was telling you the truth, then what you did is you went out and you, 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 you selected an unblemished lamb. It had to be an unblemished lamb, as we saw earlier in, the, in, this, uh, in this chapter. You selected this unblemished lamb, and then you took it and you killed it. And then you would gather, as from this dead carcass, you would gather some of its blood into a basin. And then you would take a hyssop branch, as mentioned in our text this morning. You take this hyssop branch, and you got this bowl of lamb blood in it. And, and I don't know what hyssop is. It's just a branch of something, a tree. And you would dip it into this bowl. And then you would, you would go outside to the front door of, the house, of your house, and you painted it. On this side and over the top and over this side of the door. There were some, they were mostly Egyptians, but perhaps even some Jews who, um, who didn't believe what Moses said. They thought this whole idea of killing a lamb and taking his blood and all that was, was a bit primitive, a little backward, you know, maybe even barbaric. So they, there was no blood painted on their doorposts to their houses. And later that night, their firstborn died. And so your tears and your wails and your, your screams were added to thousands of others in the, in the community there all of whose voices were being lifted up <clears throat> because they had just lost their firstborn. And the difference, the dividing line between those who wept and those who didn't weep was blood. Blood drawn from the sacrifice of an unblemished lamb. You know, ladies and gentlemen, today the situation is much the same. Blood is a dividing line. It's a watershed. Some of you who are here this morning are, are unmoved by all of the invitations that you have heard to to um, embrace Jesus Christ and have his blood wash away your sin. You think that whole idea is somewhat backward and primitive and, and barbaric. And one day off in the future, your sin will overtake you. There are many others of you who are here this morning, however, 
who have by sovereign grace been allowed to see your sin and your need for a Savior. Consequently, you have cast yourself into that fountain that was filled with blood, drawn from Emmanuel's veins, and you will not be condemned. There is an invisible line in this very room that separates people. On one side of that watershed are those who have found shelter in Jesus Christ and Him crucified. On the other side of that watershed, there, there are those who see no need for a Savior. And the thing that separates us is blood. You know, ladies and gentlemen, the Christian gospel is not instruction as to how, as to what I might do to save myself. The Christian gospel is an announcement. It's an announcement about what Jesus Christ has done for me. The gospel is not good advice. The gospel is good news. The gospel doesn't tell you all that you must do. The gospel tells you all that was done for you by Jesus Christ. And at the center of what Jesus Christ has done for us is the spilling of his blood on the cross of Calvary. As is depicted in this sacrament. All who um, are washed by that blood are safe. All who are not are lost. And you might say that the watershed is blood. Let's pray. Our Father, I do pray that you'll remind those of you, those of your people who were here, it's not because of our merit, it's not because of our goodness, it's not because of things that we have done that we are now safe. It is because of what Jesus Christ has done for us. It is because of our great high priest, the one who lived the life that we couldn't live and then died the death that we couldn't die. It's because of him because of his broken body and shed blood, that we as sinful men and women are everlastingly safe. Father, if you've led people here this morning who have not yet met this Savior, would you 
Would you cause them to see that there is a division here, not one that was created by the church. It's one that was created by shed blood. And would you bring them to the side, this precious bleeding side of Jesus Christ. Do that, Father. We ask it in Jesus' name.